I want to read one verse of scripture, and then I want to pray and get into this message. Romans uh, chapter 8, verse 19 says, Creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, I just ask for the anointing of your Holy Spirit to be in this place tonight. Anoint my lips to speak and our ears to hear what you have to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, Jeremy started this series by talking about the fact that uh, David had been anointed to be the king when he was just a young man. And then he ha- but then he had to go back to the fields um, and wait a long time before he actually became king. And he was just talking about uh, patience um, kind of in the call of God. So David patiently awaited for the time that he would become king, but he never gave up on the things that he was supposed to do in the meantime. He was a faithful shepherd, he was a mighty warrior, he was a great friend, a musician, a servant, and so many other things. But all of these things that he did prepared him for the time that he would become the king. As we look further into the story of David and Goliath, we find some really interesting things, not the least of which was that David was still just a boy when he killed Goliath. He was barely a young man. David, the shepherd boy, had already killed lion, uh, a lion and a bear uh, when, while he was a shepherd. He had, had an incredibly deep faith in God. When everyone else was terrified, when, uh, when the Israeli army was um, facing the Philistines and uh, Goliath was out there. Everyone else was terrified, but David became indignant because of the blasphemy that uh, Goliath was spewing, um, the things that he was saying about David's God. Finally, Saul told David, uh, well, David asked Saul if he could go and fight this giant. And uh, there was kind of an argument about that, but finally Saul agreed to let him go. And Saul gave David his armor. Now, David was just a kid. Saul was a grown man. So it's this big, clunky armor that he puts on. And David tries it on, but then he takes it off because he realizes that this isn't how he's used to fighting. David wasn't that kind of warrior. He tried on the armor, but then he did the David kind of thing. He took the armor off. He took his sling. He took the five smooth stones, and he took his staff, and he went, and he ran toward Goliath. And one rock, and right to the forehead, it sunk deep into his forehead. Goliath fell over and, um, and died, and David uh, took Goliath's sword. And cut his head off. It's kind of gross, isn't it? Awesome. (laughs) He was a beast, wasn't he? (laughs) See, David had confidence in his experiences, but even more than that, he had confidence and he had faith in God that God would deliver him and give him the strength he needed in that situation. Psalm 139, verses 13 through 18 says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. 
My frame was not hidden from you. When, when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Did you know that God created you to be you? The Bible says that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. I want you to think about a few things. I just looked up some uh, interesting facts. There's one in particular I, I want to share with you. But did you know that the uh, nerve impulses sent from the brain move at a speed of over 170 miles an hour? Or that a single human brain generates more electrical impulses in one day than all the telephones in the world? It's pretty amazing. Did you know that 50,000 cells in your body died and were replaced by new ones while I read this sentence to you? That the total length of all the blood cells in the human body is over 62,000 miles. It's amazing. By the end of a person's life, they recall on average around 150 trillion pieces of information. I'm lucky if I can remember one for three seconds. Here's my favorite. During, <laughs> during your lifetime... <laughs> You will produce enough saliva to fill two swimming pools. <laughs> That's so gross. It, <laughs> if allowed to grow hair for, the, for an entire lifetime without cutting it, the length of a person's hair would be about 450 miles long. <laughs> I, I'll just do one more. If you put all the DNA molecules in your body end-to-end, end, the DNA would reach from the earth to the sun and back over 600 times. The DNA in just your body. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Isaiah 43, 1 through 3 says, But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you says, Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you, for I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Because of that, you can take confidence in God's calling on your life. For many of you, that's difficult because as you, compare your, because as you compare yourself to others around you, you begin to feel like there's no way that you're ever going to measure up. Stay with me. This feeling causes many of us to begin to act like others rather than being the man or woman of God that he created you to be. <clears throat> Nothing kills confidence in God's calling more than comparing yourself with someone else because you begin to almost worship that person instead of the God who created you. So why do we do this? It's because of fear. We're afraid that we're not going to measure up. So let me tell you about fear. It will keep you from doing what God has for you to do. 
couple months ago, uh, we had a bunch of, we had 13 guys here from the country of Iceland. And while they were here, I took them to Colorado for a week. And one of the things we did while we were in Colorado was go zip lining. It, it was like two miles of zip lines. And the, the very last zip line ends up on top of this tower. Hey, guys, please. Thank you. The very last zip line ends up on top of this 70-foot tower. And the only way off the tower is to jump. It's, it's way cool. It's very scary. It's way cool. But these guys uh, that uh, were here from Iceland, most of them were absolutely terrified. How many, any of you remember Einar that was here? Yeah, a few of you. Anyway, Einar was probably at the edge of the tower, standing backwards, getting ready to jump off backwards for about 20 minutes before the lady almost pushed him off because um, he was just so terrified. He's like, I can't do this. I can't do this. And he was, he was just so scared. But he finally did it. He finally overcame the fear, and after he was done, he was so excited that he had done it. Fear can keep you from doing things that you want to do and that God has for you to do. If you allow fear to stop you from accomplishing those kinds of things, you will never fulfill God's calling on your life, ever. You see, it's never fair to compare yourself to another person. There's only one person that we're supposed to compare ourselves with, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. See, you were created to be an original. Don't live your life and don't die being a copy, just imitating someone else. So if no one has told you this today or ever, let me tell you now, be you. See, be the way God created you to be. Romans 8, 19 that I read at the very beginning says, Creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. Did you ever try to wear your dad's clothes or your mom's high heels when you were little? I hope you don't still do that, but when, when you were little. You know why you did that? It was because you were so excited about be, becoming an adult that you just couldn't wait. And um, there were so many things you imagined yourself doing. But you know what? There's a little secret. Your parents were every bit as excited about what you would become as you, as you were. And God actually cheers you on to become everything that he created you to be. See, God himself cheers you on, like I said, to become all he created you to be. He has created you. He has chosen you. He has called you. He has equipped you. And he has empowered you to do everything that he's asked you to do. Think about all the people in scripture who believed that they were inadequate for, for the calling that God placed on their lives. But God used them anyway because ultimately... They didn't rely on their own gifts and abilities. They relied on God. You think about Moses who told God that he was slow of speech and God told him to go anyway and that he would give him the words to say when that time came. All Gideon wanted to do was to, uh, 
to gather food and to hide from the Midianites. He was scared. But you know what God called him? He called him a mighty warrior. And Gideon went and destroyed the armies of the Midianites. You see, God sees something in you far beyond your own understanding of your skills and abilities. If you expect great things from God, you will attempt great things for God. 1 Samuel 17, 32 through 40 takes us back to this uh, story of David and Goliath. And I want to read part of that to you. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. It's just a boy. And this guy is a giant. Don't be ridiculous, Saul said. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. That's cool. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it again to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off. And it goes on to tell about how David went after Goliath and and killed him. See, you have to be you. David couldn't measure up to doing what Saul did. That is not what he was used to. That is not what God called him to. God prepared him for this situation by using a sling when he was a boy, by going after a, a lion and a bear with a club. That is what God prepared David for. He could not measure up to what God had prepared Saul for. That's not what he was supposed to do. In the same way, you are you. You are supposed to be acting and working in the gifts and callings that God has placed on your life. You don't have to be like that other person across the room that you admire so much. Oh, they're so good at at playing the guitar. They're so good at singing. That person can preach. That person is so kind and so loving. I wish I were like them. You don't have to be like them. You have to be. You don't have to be. You have a choice. But you're meant to be what God called you to be. Two of the things I believe God loved most about David were that, number one, he was a man after God's own heart. Number two, that he was cool with being himself. He was confident that who he was was who God needed and wanted him to be. See, I can imagine when David put on Saul's armor and looked in the mirror that God said something like, you ain't him. (laughs) You don't need someone else's armor. You were made to mirror me, not someone else. When I was in uh, Bible college, at Central Bible College in Springfield, um, a couple years ago, 
in the early 80s. Um, there, there was a young man, and he was a little bit older than I was, he, early 20s. And uh, his name was David Bain. He was from the country of Singapore. And we were talking one day, and I was just kind of sharing with him a little bit about the, uh, the vision that God had put in my heart for ministry that um, I felt like God had called me to do as, as I got older. You know, I, I felt called into missions. I worked a lot with Royal Rangers and, and different things. And I was just sharing this, this passion that God had put in my heart. And it, when I, as I was talking, after I'd been talking for just a little bit, he looked at me and he said, who do you think you are? He said, I'm David Bain. I speak seven languages. I've been to all these countries. I've done all these things. Who do you think you are? Do you really believe God can use you? And I, I was stunned. I mean, this is a, a classmate at a Bible college talking like this to me. And I, I didn't know what to say. I, I wish I could go back to that time because I think I would say something like this. I'm David North. I'm the one that Jesus died for. I'm the one that he called, he equipped, he, he, he chose, and that he is sending out to reach people for the Lord Jesus Christ. In, in, the, in the countries of Costa Rica and El Salvador and Nicaragua and Mexico and Iceland and Macedonia and different places around the world that God has sent me, not because I am equipped at, you know, in and of myself, not because David North is such a great person, but because I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ who empowers me to do what he has asked me to do. Giants don't fall for fakes. You got to be you. You can't be someone else. See, there's no giant in your life that will tremble before you if the person standing in front of them isn't authentically you. The only way you'll drop those giants that stand in front of you will be to shine as the person that God created you to be. Matthew 5.16 says, In the same way, let your light so shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. The second you take what God has put in here and you live it out here, that activates something in your life. Your light begins to shine to other people. And that light is a sign to every giant that you're real and that you're not messing around. See, Jesus wasn't the savior that the world thought he should be. He was the savior that God created him to be. He never took a step backwards in his life because he was the man that God intended him for him to be. And because of that, giants fell, giants of sickness, giants of fear, giants of depression, of despair, of doubts, of popularity, of public opinions, demonic giants, all sorts of giants fell because Jesus was who God created him to be. God needs you. I, some of you have heard this story before. Johnny knows what I'm going <laughs> to. Um, you know, it, I don't know if all of you know, uh, Johnny, and Debbie and I adopted Johnny when he was almost eight. He came to live with us when he was five and a half years old. Um, he couldn't talk, and 
he weighed like 30 pounds at five and a half years old. He got over the not talking thing and the 30-pound thing, as you can see and hear. But um, anyway, he, he's just been a joy in our lives. But um, back in 2003, I took one of the boys from one of our group homes to school. Um, I don't know if he missed the bus or what, but I had to take him to school and drop him off. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, I, I had dropped him off, and as I was walking out of the school, um, I, I was just walking. The, the school nurse was next to me. I, I was walking, and all of a sudden, every step I took, this leg just started jerking like this. And it was just weird. It was involuntary. And she was kind of freaking out, thinking I was having a stroke or something. Um, had Debbie come and get me and take me to the emergency room. And to make a long story short, they found out that I had a, a bulging disc in my neck, and they had to do surgery. But anyway, uh, we went, went home that night, and we're just making phone calls, trying to make arrangements for when I'm going to have this surgery and everything. And we hadn't said anything to Johnny. See, this was in 2003, so he was 11 at the time. We hadn't said anything to him, but Johnny's very perceptive. He just kind of senses when things aren't quite right. And I went in to say prayers with him that night. And he said, Dad, would you lay down with me? And I was like, okay. So I laid down next to him on the bottom bunk of his bunk beds. And he said, hey, Dad, are you having surgery? I was like, how'd you know that? <laughs> and uh, I was like, yeah, I am. And he, he said, Dad, are you coming home? And, you know, everyone Johnny had ever cared about in his life um, had disappeared from his life. And he was worried he was going to lose his dad. And I tried to reassure him as best I could. And uh, a couple weeks later, Debbie, um, Johnny kind of cornered Debbie and uh, told her, I have to take off school on January 30th. And she's like, well, why? Well, my dad's having surgery. And she said, well, you know, it's in the morning, and you can go to school, and by the time you're out of school, I can take you, and, um, and you'll be able to see your dad. He'll be out of recovery. He's like, no, I have to be there. My dad needs me. And you know what? I want to tell you tonight that your father needs you. Not, not in the sense that he can't survive without you, but because he chooses you. You are, there's a book called No Plan B. You are God's plan A. And he does not have a plan B. You are God's chosen person to fulfill his purpose in this world of reaching people for the Lord Jesus Christ. He's called you to go. You're the one he's, that he's chosen to accomplish his plans. You're the one he chooses to affect the eternal destiny of nations, but even more than that, the eternal destiny of people. See, your witness to this world matters. Oh, I just lost my... <laughs> your witness to this world matters. The fact is that God has chosen you. Can you go ahead and start that? Would you bow your heads with me and just close your eyes? You're only 
your witness to this world matters. The fact is that God has chosen you to do great things for him. You might say, I'm not good enough, but God says, you may not be good enough, but I am. Just trust me. You might say, I've sinned, but God says, your sin can be forgiven this very second. Just ask me. You might say, I'm too young, but God says, all I need is your willing heart to affect change in another person's heart. Just watch me. You might say, I don't have anything to offer, but God says, I've equipped you with gifts and talents that even you don't know about yet. Just seek me. And you might say, I'm scared, but God says, I'm with you. Just rest in me. We get so scared sometimes. Keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. We're afraid we're going to mess up. We're, gonna, we're afraid we're going to look stupid to our friends. But really, you're, you're created for just amazing things. You're created for great things. And just think about it. What's more important? Another person's perception of you or fulfilling all that God created you to be. See, David was anointed at a young age to be king. But he didn't wait till he became king to do great things for God. You can do them right now. You can. Just stop trying to be someone else. Relax into this. <laughs> Trust him. You can trust him.